Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. When your life and your business grow as a result of what you're about to discover, please call me and tell me about it. The number to leave a voicemail is one 888 844-GROW. That's 1-888-844-4769. Long distance charges may apply. Dial now to call me, connect, share your personal story of how my interviews have helped, or share your current challenges and frustrations so I can connect you with an appropriate course, coach, or help you if you connect. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by Jordan Platten. And Jordan is a university kickout author and digital marketing expert from the UK founder of the Social Media Marketing School and author of The 15-Minute Agency. At the age of 23, he scaled his marketing agency to six-figure profits in less than 90 days with clients all over the world. Now Jordan has made it his ongoing mission to help others on the pursuit for a better life and has since mentored thousands of aspiring entrepreneurs from stay-at-home moms to high school students and even some well-seasoned business veterans. I've asked Jordan to join us here today to talk about scaling an agency, plus how we can all use our social media assets better. So, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to uh, to be here today. It's an honor and a pleasure. So, now, before we dive into kind of the 15-minute agency and what you're doing to help entrepreneurs today, how did you even get involved in business? Like, do you come from business background, like your parents entrepreneurs? How did you even get that entrepreneurial bug? Not at all, really. So I came from a a pretty ordinary background, not rich nor poor. I never really got pocket money as a kid. And I think looking back, that's what pushed me to always want a bit more out of my life. And so I kind of started working up the the corporate ladder, not from a young age, but I started working up in pubs and in restaurants. And then I found myself in corporate sales, but I was just never never happy working for somebody else, never fully content working for somebody else. And so I always had that strive for more. And so I I started like a clothing store in in college and I started an events business when I was in university and nightclub events. And I always had that spark, but I've never had somebody to guide me there. So I've always had to find my way there. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. So Got it. So you had a, a clothing store and I said a nightclub event. What were some of the challenges that you faced with those? I mean, were they overnight successes? Did it go really well? Did you learn <laughs> some hard learned lessons or what? I'm not. 
Yeah. Far from overnight success. So I actually started the, the clothing brand when I was in, in college. So I was in college and I've always been quite artistic and I was studying like graphic design at the time. And one of the projects we were working on was like, hey, you need to come up with some kind of business idea, but some kind of business idea related to art and graphics. And so I come up with this clothing brand and I made these clothes. And then I thought, actually, I could I could actually make this a real thing, not just a college project. I could start selling these. And so I made a website, a Shopify store at the time, which was years ago now. And so I made a Shopify store. I sold some to friends. I, I started promoting it through Facebook ads. And the problem was the designs just weren't all that. They weren't amazing, groundbreaking designs. I was kind of buying a, a Fruit the Loom t-shirt and printing on top of them. So yeah, that, that didn't work too well. And I ended up losing love when I went to university and I ended up packing that in. And then the events business, I was at university studying architecture, actually, because I thought architecture was what I wanted to do. I've always been, from a very young age, I was very financially driven. And then that's changed a lot now, which I'm sure we'll get on to later in the podcast. But I was always financially driven at the time. So for me, I thought I needed to study something which was going to give me big career prospects. And I always heard a lot about architecture and designing buildings. And I thought that was going to make me rich at the time until I realized that uh, this day and age architects aren't really as, as in the architecture industry isn't really as profitable as it used to be because builders and surveyors and, and and all types of workmen can do the job of an architect just through the use of of a computer it doesn't they don't need those hard drawings scale drawings that that skill set that was required maybe 10 20 years ago and so i kind of lost love with the subject in in university and at the time, I was going out quite a lot, quite a typical university student, going out quite a lot, partying with my friends, socializing. And I started going to these nightclubs. And I figured, hey, if, if, if I started putting on a party at these events, I saw other people doing this. If I started putting on a party at these nightclubs, hosting the events, choosing the theme, getting hostesses involved, choosing what we wanted the night to be, creating this perfect nightclub event, as it were, I could take all the money off the door and the club could take all the money off the bar from all of the people we got in. So it was a very simple PR business, really. And it actually developed into about four nightclub events a week and I was having the time of my life it was it was amazing fun <laughs> it was great but it comes to about January February time and it starts to quieten down no one wants to go out everyone spent all of their money in New Year's and Christmas and uh, yeah it, it kind of flopped from there onwards which wasn't ideal because I literally just got kicked out of university about two weeks before then so Oops. as you can imagine that was a pretty big ordeal at the time mm-hmm. yeah it would have been felt very life-altering you know especially i mean i get it i know when i was 19 i was working in clubs uh when i was yeah when i was 19 i was finishing school and working in nightclubs on weekends evenings and weekends all my friends were staying at home but i i was like the only one out of all of them that had to pay his own bills so that was a way i could go party with my friends but make money at the same time because it was a security company that covered basically the five nightclubs in town so i could pick whichever one I wanted to go to so I'd figure out where everyone was going and that's the one I would work at but for you to not have your university degree and not have this business and then be left with nothing at the end you probably yeah you'd, so what happened well well I, I got I got kicked out because of the events company at the time because I was so engrossed in that that I was I was not turning up to lectures and things like that and it's kind of this downward spiral of avoiding university where I could. And it was a pretty rough time, if I'm honest. I, at, the, at the time, I felt like I was on top of the world before I got kicked out because I was running these events. And you're the popular guy. Everybody wants to speak to you to know that they can get into these nightclubs until it started failing and until I then got kicked out of university. And it was a really sobering time in my life. 
and really, really sobering. And I had this this thought to myself of, hey, man, maybe maybe I just need to do what everybody else does. Maybe I should stop dreaming so big and stop wanting to own my own business. And maybe I should just do what normal people do. What do normal people do? People, there's so many people out there who have very ordinary jobs. They have they have a loving family. They they come home at the end of the day. They see their wife and their kids, and they're very very content. And I thought, well, surely I can find something like that. And so what I did is I, I looked into jobs which gave me the most realistic prospects for success, the most reachable prospects for success without having a degree or anything like that. And so I knew I was good at speaking to people. I knew I was good at communicating with people. And so I started looking into corporate sales jobs. So I, I got my first sales job. I worked my way up pretty quickly. And and then I, I got like two more jobs. I was very, I got very bored very quickly in jobs. I think I'd work in a job for about a year, work my way up and then get a bit tired of it and then move on to something else. And I went through this cycle for about four years going, jumping from job to job in sales until I really got that spark back. I remember there was, there was a day I was sat in the office and um, one of my friends who I was working with at the time, he was handing in his notice to say he was starting an online business. And at the time I was like, okay, this guy's crazy. He's, he's, he's fully lost the plot. And, and I remember sitting there just almost a little bit jealous of him and um, about three months after that he called me up and told me how he'd made his first £20,000 month from the business that he started online which was incredible and that was the push for me to be like okay that really got my attention it was that was the point for me to be like okay enough is enough you, you, you're destined to start your own business. You deserve to have your own business and then it took me out of that cycle of the corporate rush that I was in. Do you remember what your friend's business was? Just because I'm curious. Yeah, he, he actually he jumped into Amazon FBA. Ah, got it. Selling on Amazon. I just talked to a guy like that. There's good potential for that. If anyone, this isn't a call about Amazon, but for anyone that's doing business on, Am, on Amazon, you have to remember that that's just your first initial sale. You really need, I just, not to go into a big story, but I had somebody here, I'm in Vietnam, meet with me for a consultation, basically asking for help because he's built a business on Amazon, but... He has no control. It's all controlled by Amazon. And not only that, he can't figure out how to grow. And you have to really remember that, you know, wherever you get customers from, another example, I worked with a client. We built his Facebook page from 30,000 to 300,000 followers. We were getting over 2 million impressions a week organically, just organically posting their Facebook page, driving sales, doing very well like that. And then January 1st, I think it was 2014, 2015, January 1st, Facebook introduced the post feature, the, the boosted post and we went from getting over 2 million impressions for free organically to getting barely 400,000. And we had to pay to reach everybody else. So whenever you build a business on someone else's platform, you have to recognize that. And as much as you can, you have to do what you can. For him, one of the things I recommended amongst a lot of others was to include a ride-along, which is something you insert into your box of like a catalog of other things or a reason for them to come to your website and register with you. That way you can now own the communication between you and them. That's so important. So anyways, just a sidebar because Amazon's a great place and there's a ton of potential there, but there's also real hard limits and things and people have had trouble where Amazon shut them down for something that wasn't their fault and you know, like it's just it's it's just a scary thing. So anyways, all right, so he's an Amazon guy, got it. So what did you do? 
so at the time, um, so he obviously he went off and he started this Amazon business. And um, and at the time when he spoke to me, he was like, because I said to him, Man, I don't really feel like doing Amazon. I feel like that's your thing and I don't want to take away from that. So I didn't want to backpack off him. I didn't want to feel like have him feel like I was just copying using him, him or, me too, or, yeah. or, or he was helping me having to put his business to one side so he could help me grow. So. I said to him, look, what else is there? He said, there's a ton of people making money online. There's so many different business models at the moment. We went through things like Shopify. We went through um, Amazon FBA. We went through drop shipping. and, And then we had a discussion about social media marketing. And he knew somebody within the same space. He was he was he started a YouTube channel. We were speaking to all different kinds of people, just trying to network and get his get himself out there. And he knew somebody who was really successful within the social media marketing space. And he introduced me to them. And from there, I literally just I had a conversation with them, and I, I was trying to figure out how viable this business option was. And this guy, I think he was like his name. His name's Ollie, and he was he, he made twenty something silly like twenty grand within his first like four months of starting, and he was getting amazing results for his clients through the use of Facebook ads. And um, at that point, I was like, okay, right now this is the time for me to jump into this, and so I, I just started absorbing myself with tons and tons of youtube videos i bought marketing books which weren't even relevant to social media marketing but i wanted to understand the psychology behind marketing and i already had a sales understanding so i knew i'd be able to sign clients but for me it was learning how can i actually get results for businesses and how can i actually make sure that i'm making an impact on the businesses i'm working with and how can i retain them I then spent a lot of money on mentorship and I actually ended up probably depleting all of my savings. And I just dived in as soon as I possibly could. And literally two weeks after our phone call talking about social media marketing, I managed to sign my first £2,000 worth of business and I quit my job. And that was under half my salary at the time. I was getting paid £5,000 a year at at that time, which was a very respectable salary for a 22-year-old guy. £5,000 a Um, year or £5,000 a month? Yeah. Fifty thousand pounds a year. 50, I was I was getting, so so five thousand a month as a, a sales manager, at twenty two years old. Which I don't know about over in the US, but that's that's a pretty good salary yep. for that kind of a role. And so for me, it was like this big dilemma. It was like I want my freedom, but I also want to to earn money. But mm-hmm. I had this dilemma. It was like if I if I really want to go in on this, I need to take a forf- a, a forfeit. I need to lose a little bit of money to start off with so I could actually dive in head first. And so when I made my first 2000, I knew that that was all of my outgoings for the month covered. Mm. And I knew that I had enough to live on. So I just quit my job and said, look, I'm going to go all in on this yeah. and uh, and just invest as much time as I possibly can into signing new clients. And that's exactly what I did. That's awesome. Yeah, we call that roof and ramen, you know, like as long as you got your roof covered and just like hot noodles, like just hot water noodles so you don't die. That's what you need. And one of the things there that I think is really commendable and, and I mean, made the difference between what you could have done versus where you actually got to now was the fact that you committed full time. One of the first thing one of my early mentors told me is that you won't succeed in business if you can't commit to it full time. It's just really tough. You hear about people like start a side business evenings and weekends, and that's a great place to get up and running. But as soon as they can cover their livelihood, their base, like you, their roof and ramen, that you just have to dive mm. head and feet in. Otherwise, you're just you're just not going to get the momentum that you need. You know, like your competitors are working 24 hours a day all around the world. People are moving to advance your field, and if you're just there evenings and weekends, you know, like you you're just not going to be able to keep up. So I think one of the things that made no. a big difference for you is that exactly what you said here. That hey, I got enough to cover my expenses, and I quit my job so I could focus full time 
on this, which is fantastic. So, so what happened then? So I literally just went full steam ahead because I had I knew that I needed to continue making more money. I had these retainers coming in, but I was taking a massive cut in my lifestyle and I just wanted to scale as quickly as I could. So I literally set out a task to call up 20 businesses a day. I was I was doing cold calling in my current in that telesales job anyway. So I'd set a task 20 calls a day, Monday to Friday. This is what I'm going to do. And I need to sign one or two clients a week. And I actually managed to scale up to six figures. And when I say six figures, I mean 10,000 a month as of 90 days, about just under 90 days after I actually launched the business, which was pretty amazing. It was exhilarating. It was an incredible time. I had people mm-hmm. say no. I had people say yes. and But I, I scaled very, very quickly out of the norm. And I always say to people, people, a lot of people, when I talk to them, they're like, how, how did you scale your, your social media business so quickly? And, and one thing which was an absolute blessing to me when I launched my agency is that I had sales experience and I had sales discipline. Because when I worked in telesales jobs, I knew that if I didn't make a certain amount of calls per day, I was going to get the sack. And so for me, when I actually started my social media agency, and a big thing that a lot of people miss out on when they start this kind of industry, they don't have the discipline to actually stick to targets. Because I imagined that I had somebody standing behind me saying, Jordan, you're going to get the sack if you don't make these calls a day. So even if I got no's, even if I felt disheartened, even if I had times when I thought this wasn't going to work, I always made sure I stuck to my targets. And that's the only thing that actually pushed me forward to scaling up so quickly. I, without I think a doubt. that's so, can we expand on this a little bit? Because I think that's a really powerful statement that you said there and i think that there's a lot of value to that for people that are listening because you can set sales targets and sales goals all day every day but why do so many people fall short i mean i think it's because we have emotions and feelings and and you know we're human right we're we're not robots Mm. but like you said you knew you had to you knew because your livelihood depended on it you had to make you set a goal 20 calls a day and you were going to do it because you couldn't guarantee outcomes you can't control how many people are going to sign up but you can control what you do and so you knew from your previous sales experience that if you could maintain 20 calls a day you would grow fast enough that you would be able right like you would be able to avoid death and disaster as you saw it right does that is that accurate? Absolutely. Can you expand a little bit? Because I know you deal with a lot of agencies. Like, is that is 20 calls a day unrealistic? How do you find leads for 20 calls a day? Is that just an arbitrary number that you picked? How does someone disc- like? How does someone come up yeah, with their own so- target? So I so when I first started, I was obviously I was working full time. So I was trying to get it squeezing as many calls as I could. But I was I was actually I started off calling up in the evenings. I was calling on the way home from work. I'd call some people out on my lunch times. And I, I tried at the start, I wanted to go for restaurants. I wanted to, to work with restaurants. And so I put together a big list when I was working, like on my lunch, I put together a massive list of loads of restaurants within about 20 miles, 20 to 50 miles around my local area, anywhere that I'd be comfortable to drive to, drive to and actually have a physical meeting. So I put this list together. I think there was like 80 restaurants on there. And I just started calling them on my way home from work. And I kind of gauged that these calls are only taking like between five and 10 minutes on average, because some people you wouldn't even be able to get an answer. And some people you wouldn't be able to get hold of the owner. And over the course of those first two weeks, I kind of worked out that out of 20 calls, I was speaking to maybe five business owners. And out of those five business owners, I was setting one meeting on average um, in my area. And of course, this does change from area to area. But I've taught this 
this kind of same principle to to all of my students and i find that across the board it's it's a very close average at 20 calls gets you five business owners on the phone and and one meeting and so i thought to myself if i set one meeting a day if i can set just one meeting a day then there's absolutely no way that i won't be able to scale up to where i want to get to so that's that's how i came to those targets but for me i set people these targets all day every day i set my mentees these these targets and not everybody sticks to them only 10 20 percent of people will stick to these targets and it's because as you say we're all human we all have distractions we all have emotions and a lot of people don't like rejection and a lot of people can't handle rejection so if we make 20 calls on a monday and we don't actually manage to set a meeting or we get a lot of no's or if someone hangs up on us if we haven't had that sales experience beforehand it's very easy for us to get disheartened and to think that it doesn't work and us to get emotionally attached to those sales calls whereas if you've had sales experience in 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 the past and you accept that rejection is a normal part of business and and the fact that if we didn't have rejection everybody would be a millionaire so rejection is perfectly normal and i think is once you understand that and you become resilient to that you can stick to your targets religiously mm, and i think there's another element to look at it as far as like evolution and survival like humans used to have a lot more babies because only a few would make it right like when you say people aren't yeah. used to rejection i mean that's even evolution you'll have a million of one species and then one will evolve and so it's like to evolution evolution means you have to be something so completely you become more than and so when you say like a lot of people can't stick to these targets a lot of people can't do that that's why someone else will rise to the top what i love is how you break that down so you had to make x calls to have x number of meaningful interactions right and once you have those many meaningful interactions that equals X number of follow-up calls that you agree. So it's like you call, either you do, right? Like you said, for you, 20 calls got you five owners on the phone. That's a meaningful interaction, right? It's an interaction with someone yeah. that's in the power to make a decision. You have that conversation with them. You give them the preliminary info, and you're like, I can send you some info, and we can have a follow-up call if you like, and they say yes or no, and that will get you one meeting. So now it gives you a formula where very, like very almost mathematically, you can predict if I need 100 sales or if I need 100 meetings – to get myself 20 clients, if I'm just saying I'm going to sign up two out of every 10, then I need to have, what is that? Then I need to do 200 phone calls. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's like, and all of a sudden you can just schedule that out. And it and it sounds so simple for a lot of people, but it, it's it's simple, but it's not easy. It's simple to map out, but the, the magic is in committing to it and sticking to it. And for you, one of the things that lit a fire under your ass was that, again, you, you'd cut your lifestyle, that you basically made a, laid out a stake on this. So you had just had this university mishap with the night school, right? Then you're in this job that you hate. This was it. Like, if this didn't work for you, you were going to have to go back to that thing that you hated, right? Absolutely. And so I think that's what, what's yeah. important for people here is to understand the discipline, and separate themselves from the rejection. That life is about rejection. A plant will disperse a million seeds and only have 10 or 20 survive. All those others were, air quote, rejected or eaten. You know, like turtles will lay hundreds and thousands of, of eggs and only like 20 or 30 will survive. That's rejection. At least you're not being eaten. You're just going to cry about it a little bit and then have to, you know, suck, your, suck it up and tie up your bootlaces and go back out. So it's really like, did you die? No? Okay, well then suck it up, princess. Get back out there. You know, like, you'll be yeah. fine. And so I just love that. Absolutely. So for people listening, sales discipline to stick to targets is incredibly important, not only for sales goals, but just even if you have a gym goal. I'm a, bit, a big advocate for daily disciplines, 
everyone on the show knows that. I feel that if you have anything that's important to you, it's not something you do twice a week or three times a week. People are like, oh, I'm going to start going to the gym. Like, I make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to go to the gym three times a week. It's really hard to keep track of, did I do this today? Have I gone twice this week, once, four times? I don't know. What day is it again? Like, we get so caught up and busy. But if it's a daily thing, Right, I think that makes it so much easier. And so you had every day. It wasn't one day I'm going to schedule eight hours and make calls. It was every day I'm going to be making X number of calls. And maybe you didn't always hit your 20. But every day you were beating that drum. And I just think that's so, so important for achieving achieving goals. So, so all right. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you landed these sales. You scaled your client. You scaled your, your base now. Did, what, did you have any challenges in this agency? What were some of the other obstacles that you had to overcome? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely challenges. I mean, to start off with, I mean, the mass, the biggest challenge for me, and this is this is certainly not something that I would recommend for anyone else, but I was so keen to get out of my job and so desperate to get out of my current position that I actually signed up my first ever client without even knowing how to get serious results for them. And I had to use it as a learning experience. I, like um, Richard Branson has a, has, a, has a famous quote, and I'll, I'll royally screw it up because I don't know it, it word for word, but he says... In, in principle, he says that if you ever get offered an opportunity and you don't know how to do it, say yes to it and then worry about it afterwards and teach yourself afterwards. And yeah. that's the, the way I kind of followed suit in my agency. I, I knew that I I knew that I wanted to sign up clients. And so I started signing up my first two clients without actually knowing how to get in-depth results for them. And, and again, I wouldn't recommend doing that. But it, what it did is force me and put me in a corner to say, OK, Jordan, you really need to work on this now. And you need to make sure that you can practice what you've preached to these businesses and you can get the results that you're talking about. And so I spent a lot of time focusing on ads. I even ran adverts out of my own money as well. If, if I wasn't getting good results within the first couple of weeks, I was I was putting a bit of my money into that ad spend as well to make sure that overall I was getting return on investment for that first client. Um, and it was about, it took about two months until I got a good return on investment for them until I felt like I'd cracked the code on that. Um, but that was certainly a massive challenge for me when I first started was actually learning out how to run Facebook ads because a really tough thing is, is it's really great taking online courses and watching YouTube videos and learning about how other people get results for businesses in principle. But one thing you have to learn about Facebook ads and marketing in general is you're never truly going to understand it until you actually start implementing it. So that was, I suppose, quite a big hurdle for me. Yeah, no, and I appreciate you being honest with that. I think that's, uh, I think that's what stops a lot of people. Like fear kills more dreams than failure ever will. You know, like, and I, you said you don't recommend it. I would recommend it. I would recommend people because of exactly what Richard Branson said. It is the business graveyard is littered. It is full of world-class products and services that nobody knew about mm. and nobody was ready for at the time. So it's like having quality products and services is very important. It's very important, especially in today's day and age with transparency. But especially if you're beginning, maybe just let people know that, hey, I'm doing a beta program and this is this XYZ. Just maybe like I wouldn't necessarily lie to people, but even if I wasn't, didn't know how to get results, if I had a plan, hey, I'm looking to do this. I want to achieve this for you. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because a lot of yeah, clients okay. will be comp- like there's you just have to be willing to talk to people. And that's kind of where you said like the sales experience you had maybe might have been good backup because if you 
provided an unsatisfactory result and they complained, you would be able to talk with them and not run away from the difficult conversation and come up with a, I'll make it up to you this way. Where some people might just like freeze up and shut them out and then that person has no alternative, the client has no alternative other than to go and slander you on social media. But if you just admit, hey, I made a mistake, but I really want to make it up to you, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And so by all means, sell hard. Sell as hard as you can, get all the clients you can, promise everything that you want to be able to do, and then make it up to people. Don't just break, you know, don't just unfulfill promises, but it's the whole concept of, you know, the hundredth time you do something, you'll be better than the first. But someone's going to have to be your guinea pig. It's just the way it yeah. goes, you know. Like I had a martial arts school for three years, and I, the, my first students I got ended up being some of my best students. But you know, I wasn't as. I think my later students were getting better faster than my first ones because I got clearer on how I was producing results, you know. But it's that constant. Somebody's got to be the guinea pig. So just get out there and yeah. do it. And you know, just yeah, just don't be in it for the money. I think that's a big one. If you're just doing it just to make the money from the person, that's a different intent. But if you like you like you were, you were sincerely trying to get an agency up and running, you know, just, just do it, you know, and, and worst case scenario, you could outsource it to somebody that doesn't know what they're doing and say, call it and be like, look, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I, got, I got the sales thing down, but what do I do for this? You know, and maybe you don't make any money on the first couple of clients, but you know, it's just, it's, it's way better off. You, you learn so much more. I always say movement instead of meditation. That's the one thing monks will never teach, teach you that movement is better than meditation. Cause you can sit there and meditate about something all day, but until there's movement, you don't get any feedback and that's what you need to course correct and, and get where you're going. So now what would you Absolutely. recommend to anybody that's starting out or struggling right now? If somebody is like, they're trying to get something off the ground and you know, they're just starting out and struggling and what, what would you recommend? In business in general? Or yeah, whether it's an, a, an agency or any kind of service provider out there, if they're just feeling frustrated and overwhelmed and maybe fear of reaching out, I don't know. What are some... You know, yeah. the biggest thing for me when I first started, and I can, I can hugely resonate with, with anybody who's, who's, who's struggling starting out or, or they're in that limbo and they're, they're kind of not knowing what direction to take or what business model to move on or they're feeling overwhelmed. And I, I felt that for years and years and years. And I, I feel like if I if I... I could have overcome that a lot easier until I had this realization as to, to kind of why it was that I was doing it in the first place. And I had this this massive misunderstanding when I first started my business that I needed to reinvent the wheel. I needed to come up with something that was so groundbreaking and unique that was going to make me successful. I needed to invent the next Uber or the next Airbnb. And I always heard people talking about in business when I read books. So everyone's talking about you just need to learn how to solve problems. And that never really sunk in with me. And that never really hit home with me. And I heard it thousands and thousands of times. But I had this this mindset that I always I needed to find something new. Hmm. And so for me, when, when I first started my business or before I started my business, I just had this realization. I just needed to find something that somebody had already done. And I just needed to find a way of making it better or making it my own or making it unique to me or using my unique skills to, to improve on that business model or to, to help out in my area or to, to replicate that business model. And for me, when, even when I started my agency, when I had my friend who quit three months before me, during that period, he'd quit and he was calling me up every week saying hey Jordan you need to find something to do like trust me it's really all not all that hard when you get out of jobs like because for me I thought oh like when you quit your job you're then screwed you're gonna you're gonna be living on the street and, and it's gonna be all this pressure and it's really really hard and and I had this guy saying to me hey no Jordan it's actually pretty cool over here like yeah. you, you'd enjoy it on this side of life and so it, it was knowing that 
everything was going to be okay when I did take that leap and knowing that there's so much opportunity out there and there's so many people on the exact same journey as you so the way that I say to people all the time if I lost absolutely everything tomorrow I know I could build it back up again within six to 12 months maybe not to the exact same level but I would find some kind of opportunity if somebody said Jordan you can never touch social media marketing again I would find something else to do because this world is full of opportunity there's so much opportunity online and so many people who are doing the exact same thing just join facebook groups and feed off other people's energy when they're doing good things and they're thinking of ideas and you're going to think of stuff yourself and you'll, you'll find people that you'll be able to connect with and network with and i think really just getting started is the most important thing and everybody talks about that it's just just getting started just taking the first step but for me that was massive um, whether that's just making a, your first cold call to a business whether that's just having your first meeting it's once you get that momentum going and that snowball effect everything just starts rolling and you just get that buzz and that excitement and that that thrill for doing something yourself and mm. building your own business and i think once that gets started it just doesn't stop i mean yeah. it certainly hasn't stopped me yet no and it's it's really empowering to see that the world is something that you can have a major influence in a lot of people don't even realize that they just feel like they're a cog in a wheel but you can actually design the wheel i often tell people when they talk about having a business like what is it like how do you even get started i'm like have you ever applied for a job before and they go yeah i go well having a business is applying for jobs all day every day like that's basically it. Yeah. It's just you don't stop. When they say yes, you don't go okay and then just show up every day and hang out and do what they tell you to do. You know, you either have a team or you're doing it yourself. Ideally, you have a team that does it and so your job is to apply for jobs to make sure that there's enough work for everybody. Like that's really what it is. Like you say you're doing cold calls. It's like, "Hey, it's just like knocking on doors. Hey, can I shovel your driveway? Hey, can I mow your lawn?" Like that's all it is. And then you have a team of people that clean up after you. All all a business is is a group of people solving the problem of another group of people with a product or service yeah. that's it if it's if it's manufacturing phones it's phones if it's growing food then it's growing food if it's coming to your house and cleaning your house it's that if it's sitting you in a chair and fixing your teeth it's in your chair and fixing your teeth but all it is is a group of people solving the problem of another group of people via a product or service. That's all it is. So what is the problem that you want to solve and who? That's another thing I think is really important is who your customers are. I think you've enjoyed having business owners as your customers way more than maybe, I mean, depending, when you were younger in your early 20s, maybe you liked having the girls beg you for access and, you know, when I come talk to you. But I think generally, I know at least for myself, after working in the nightclubs, like I said, I did after about a year and a half of that, I realized all my friends were alcoholics and I didn't like the network I'd built for myself. Like these are people that all they do is drink, they're drunk all the time. That's all they can find. Like, that's our only source of fun, it seems like. And I just didn't like it. Because, you know, when you – I was security. And so your job is security. You have 500 people in a club. You're dealing with the 10 people, the 2 people, the 20 people having the worst night. And so every night you're seeing who's having the worst time. And I was just like, I just didn't yeah. like that. But I think who you solve the problem for. You can solve the same problem for one group of people and get paid $10 for it. And you can solve the exact same problem for another group of people and they will pay you $10,000 for it. I am not joking. That is like the concept of a sports game. Take anything, like football. You can have people that will steal the streaming online. You have people that will pay for pay-per-view online. You have people that invite a bunch of buddies over, and they all split it, and they watch online. There's a person that goes and group buys it by going to a pub and pays the entrance fee. There's a person that pays and goes to the actual stadium, and they sit way up in the nosebleed section, right? And then there's the people that pay to be right on the front line, you know, right by the center or right by the goal, yeah. right? And it's all the same thing. It's the same thing. It's just people pay for different levels of experience that match either their income 
or the experience they want to have. So you can solve a $10 problem and get paid $1,000 for it by dealing with clientele who can pay $1,000 for that. And sure, you add some bells and whistles. I'm not talking about less value, but it's like beauty. Value is in the eye of the beholder, not necessarily the innate value. DVDs and CDs, you know, back when CDs were a thing, you know, you could produce CDs for 10 cents, 15 cents if you bought them in volume in bulk, but they would sell for 20 bucks. And that's because it's the value in the eyes of the beholder, right? That's not the value that it costs to produce the CD, right? So that's just yeah. really important for people to think. So, so what are some of the yeah, biggest mistakes you see people making? Like, I know you said getting started, but once they've gotten started, all the students they've been working with, what are some of the most common mistakes you see them making in trying to get things up and going? Do you know, do you know the, the biggest killer in any agency-based business, and this is actually any business at all that requires you to do the outreach and you to do the sales and you to actually go out there and acquire customers. And again, it's, it's something that I learned in, during sales and it's always making sure that your pipeline is full. So a lot of people I see all the time, we, we see people going through our training program and mentorship and, and, and students are like, hey, I've just signed up a new client or I've just got a meeting set, my first ever meeting for on Friday. And then what they do is they drop everything and divert all their energy into that one meeting or that one client. And they forget about all of the cold outreach they've done and they forget about trying to get new business. And so they let their pipeline slip completely. And so then if something goes wrong with that meeting or they don't manage to get client results or the client says no or whatever, and that then hits them really, really hard. And it throws them back for ages because they're not upset with the fact that the client said no or that they didn't get results. They're upset that the fact they had nothing to replace them. Mm. Whereas if they carried on doing outreach, calling up businesses, sending Instagram DMs, whatever method they want to use, there's a thousand different methods to get clients. Whatever, what they, whatever they want to use, if they stop doing that and they divert all of their attention onto this new client or this new meeting or this new shiny object... The only reason they get upset is because they've got nothing else lined up. Mm -hmm. So that's a really big problem. And I see a lot of people give up way too early. There's a big culture online of this whole make money online industry. There's a lot of culture of, okay, I try something. It didn't work. I'll move on to something else. I'll yeah. buy another call. I'll yeah. do <laughs> and even, I've got so many friends in the industry who who are in completely different business models, and they're like, "Hey, do you know this guy? You're you're match, you're, you're on um, Facebook, and he's your mutual friend." I'm like, "Yeah, he's he's in my program." He's like, "Oh, he's in my program." And it's, it's like there's this culture of people that jump from program to program, <laughs> and it's really frustrating to see because each the, the most annoying thing for me is like every single opportunity that that person has bought into could have made them successful. Yep, yep, they just so, see it, see it through. I agree. Exactly. I always tell people it's better to have to be oversubscribed and it's better to be having clients, like, even just as a, from a pricing standpoint, a positioning standpoint, pick something. It'd be better off to have your deal flow, which is what I call, but you said your pipeline, better off to have your pipeline so full when people are eager to do business with you, you have to say, look, I'd love to take you on, but right now we're at capacity and I couldn't take you on without sacrificing quality for you and everyone else. So let's take a deposit now and let's schedule your starting day for 45 days from now. That is a yeah. fantastic way to handle that. And all of a sudden, like I do this all the time and I'm traveling the world now, so it's a little different, but I've done this for years now. I do this with everything. Like I do this even with my rent. Like when I pay rent or if my cell phone bill, I prepay things months in advance. 
That way, mm. you know, and I might have to squeeze myself a little bit to initially get that done, like, because, you know, I'm making double payments one month, so things are really tight one month, but it's so much better to all of a sudden lose a contract, or, like, I had once, I had a guy rip me off for 50 grand, like you talked about. I, I kept the deal flow going, but I sold a $50,000 service, I worked on it for three, four months, never got paid past the initial deposit, guy had all these excuses, ton of credibility, so I believed in him, at the end of the day, he just didn't pay me, and it was like, mm. but because I had this philosophy... I already had my rent paid for the next 60 days. I think I had two months of rent paid. Like, all my bills were paid for two months. So even though I was like, ouch, that really hurt, I didn't let my pipeline dry up. And I had prepaid everything. And I think that's a good mindset for people to have in that respect. To not only just want to get clients, but get so full you have a waiting list. And then you're scheduling out start dates for people. And that's a fantastic. It makes people way. want you even more. Oh like, yeah, people just want to work with you even more. Like you, you, when you once you once you have that scarcity. I mean, scarcity is the fundamental of any yeah. kind of sale online or marketing. And once you have that kind of like exclusivity, people just want to. They want to work with you yeah. ten times more. So yeah, I completely agree yeah. with it. No, no one wants to see the guru at the bottom of the mountain. They all want to see the guru at the top of the mountain. We have this thing as humans where if we don't like suffer we don't feel like we deserve like if i just gave you an olympic gold medal you wouldn't brag about it because you didn't suffer to earn it and so there's this thing of that and so when there's scarcity and it's hard to get to someone there's a sense of like i earned to have this one great person work it's it's weird familiarity and scarcity that's just it's a weird phenomenon psychological uh, misperception of people but it's, it's and it works with everybody i mean i've got this at the moment i'm waiting i applied to work with this with this guy he's a lawyer for my business and there's something that there's a service that i require at the moment from him and and he's he's like the, at the top of his game and and i've applied to work with him and i only applied on thursday and, and i'm waiting to hear back from his email and even the fact that i know that there's scarcity being created in his follow-up sequence it's working on me because i'm like okay i just want to get on the phone now and actually get this sorted <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just right. works. That's awesome. So that's a fantastic tip. And I th- that deal flow, that pipeline full thing is so, 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 so critical because people buy when they're ready to buy, not when you're ready to sell. So you really just need to keep the wheels in the, machi- in the machine churning nonstop. And it just doesn't end. It doesn't stop. It's got to continue forever, whether it's you or somebody else. You know, And if you feel like your pipeline's full, maybe that's a good time to try to hi- build a team or hire somebody else to get your pipeline going for you. It's a fantastic yeah, way to absolutely. handle it. So what habits? Let's talk about some of the habits then that you feel lead people to success. So all your students and that. What are some of the daily disciplines or weekly disciplines and habits you feel are, are quintessential to success? Okay. Um, so, again, this isn't really specific social media marketing, but I suppose for any kind of online business, I mean, a big turning point for me was when I really worked out my morning routine and I really got my my daily routine on check and I started um, doing the same things every day at least on Monday to Friday when I was working and so I started waking up really early you, you don't have to do this it depends if you're a morning and evening person some people like to stay up late for me I, I can wake up pretty early and I actually wake up about half past five every morning and I make sure that I do not touch my phone at all until about midday normally. Um, this doesn't happen every day. On a Monday, it's pretty hard because I've got a lot to catch up on. But I try and at least keep off my phone until when I'm starting working at about 9 a.m. Because I don't want any external distractions, things with friends, things going wrong with anything in your life, no matter what that may be. Even when you, you go across and you, you look at the news feed on Facebook and there's some kind of news in a local area which has impacted the way you're thinking. So I like to try and keep my mind 
mind as free as possible in the morning. And I find that my mornings are my most productive times. So for me, I can't speak for anyone else. And I don't know about yourself. But for me, the mornings were an absolute game changer for me. And it also gave me the ability to work on myself. And I always when I wake up at 530, I read for about an hour. Um, so I read and I work on self-development. I then go for the gym to the gym for an hour. So I come home feeling really, really good about myself that I've learned new knowledge in the morning and I've achieved a new level of personal fitness whilst the majority of the world are still asleep. And that has always really set me up for, for success throughout, throughout growing my business. And it continues to do so. And it really propels me forward and puts me in the right mind frame to, to be productive in my day. So that for sure is, is my number one success habit. My morning routine is, is, yeah, is without a doubt the most compelling thing about yeah, my habits. And, and just I don't know if I'm allowed to do a shout out to a book, am do I? It. Do it. <laughs> it was the, the Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. That, that book changed, uh, yeah, changed everything with my morning routine. So I always recommend that book, um, The Miracle Morning. And yeah, it's just really good. And you don't have to use all of the notes, all of the methods that Hal teachers in that book because not everything resonated with me but certainly adapt them and and push them to your lifestyle and and you'll definitely see a massive change in your productivity Mm, i'm I'm a big fan of morning routines too i changed things a little bit over the years but i i've always had to leave my place and come back so that's like uh, wherever i've lived especially working online at home when i wake up i need to leave and go for a walk and come back now we have this park outside i go out and i do tai chi got an app i do tai chi for just 10 minutes it's really just a warm up i used to do the gym in the morning but i do i've been doing crossfit for like 4 years and now i i kind of do it on my own at like a globo gym but the workouts are so intense I find that if I do those in the morning, sometimes I'm just fried. Like it just fries my central nervous system (laughs) and I need to take a nap. (laughs) So now it's like I wake up and I do something like some yoga or some Tai Chi. I love to go outside if I can to just, you know, to get that fresh air. That way when I come back, it's like, okay, now I'm home. What am I going to do now that I'm home? You're kind of like out of that PJ waking up uh, kind of thing, right? So I'm like you. I like wake up. Always focus on gratitude. What are the three things you're grateful for? What are the three things I want to get done today? And then, of course, like we said, something to wake up your body. I think that's incredibly important because the oxygen, like when you move your body, movement is life. When you move your body, your blood starts flowing. Oxygen feeds your brain. Nutrients from what you ate feed all your body. And it's just proven. They've done all sorts of studies that when you, you know, if you take a 10-minute walk before you do a test, you'll score higher than if you just sat down for a half hour before doing the test. And it's because, like, it just activates your brain. Your brain is as big as it is because you move. When they look at creatures that are are stationary, they have smaller brains because once you start walking, you have to balance, which seems like nothing because you know how to do it. But remember, when you're a baby, you had to learn how to do that. It's not something that comes naturally. You have to balance. Mm. You're balancing left foot, right foot. You're swinging. When you're walking, you're taking in new data because if you sit in the room, there's nothing changing or in the world around you. But when you walk outside, leaves are blowing, cars are passing, people are walking. Your brain is taking in all this information all of a sudden. So you're balancing your weight. Your 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 body's changing and regulating temperature. You're breathing. You're anticipating things that are happening you're looking at people like there's all the stimulation you are now alive if you had a car but the car was never going to drive anywhere you wouldn't need headlights you wouldn't need a windshield wiper you wouldn't might not need a horn you definitely wouldn't need wheels and you don't need a brakes then you don't need a drive chain you don't need an engine like all of a sudden if that car goes nowhere you don't need anything so if you just get up and you don't do anything physical in the morning your engine isn't like you're just a car that without all that stuff. But once you move, like you yeah. said, it's, it changes. It'll change your life. If people get up and they aren't physical in the morning, just by doing that thing alone, 
totally revolutionize your life. But as yeah. per my experience, I find I keep the intense stuff to before dinner. I, so I still go to the gym every day, but now it's a quick 10-minute thing in the morning, 15-minute thing in the morning, and then a big one later in the day. I love that. And then the reading every day. I think gratitude is an important way to start your day, too. You can't feel anxious, nervous, worried, fearful if you had a bad dream, if you've just had a stressful week. If you start up your day and you really sit and be present with things that you're grateful for and try to be specific, not like, I'm grateful that I'm alive. Like, no, get, think, think of something specific as much as you can. So you actually feel the gratitude. It's not just a checklist item you have to write down, but something that you actually feel. When you can feel that sense of gratitude, you're good. And so try and think of three things, because now you're coming and approaching your day with a positive mindset, like why you say you stay off social media, right? You don't want to read something and spin you off some way. I love that. I'm going to add that, staying off my phone till at least like my work day's underway. I, I'm going to definitely add that. Because of the time zone difference yeah. with my friends and stuff, I tend to check it, but I think that you'll just be way more productive. It's, it's, it's massive. And one of, the, my, one of my main motivators from doing that as well is not just the, the distractions from, from like the, the day before or messages from friends or whatever. Because I always like to, I like to write a list before I go to bed of what I want to achieve the next day. Work-wise. Mm. What is it I want to get? And so if I see a message from like one of my team members or like um, an email from somebody asking for a refund or something's gone wrong and I'm like, okay, that then takes my focus away from what I actually want to achieve from the day. So, so all of a sudden, the most important things from the night before have just become less important because something probably very minor and unimportant has just come in front of my mind. Yeah. Um, so I always like to try and eliminate that. And another thing for anybody who's based in, um, who gets regular sales for their business, a big no-no for me is I never look at my sales figures in the mornings because again, that can massively impact your mood and you think if you've had some bad sales and yet then you're thinking okay what do i need to do to make some sales today or if you've had a good sales day again it can it can negatively impact you both ways so i always try and stay away from that when i can yeah i think that's i you know i I honestly think the stuff we talked about here so having a morning routine with some of the things that we talked about and that is a huge productivity hack so as far as time management at the end of your day writing down for the next day what you want to accomplish because now you're creating a thread of events like a, a solid continuum of productivity but because like you said, it, you can get pushed off track so easily, influenced so easily by mm-hmm. think like fires that come up. But if you can at the end of your day, look, I'm putting everything down. All right, what are the most important things for me to do tomorrow? And you set those goals and then you wake up and you focus on those goals. Like it just, it just keeps you consistent because life is so, e- it's so easy in life to get pushed left and right. And that's, I think, what takes most people so long to get success. Like when you first launched and you got all those sales and launched your agency, you were so focused and disciplined and you had, I'm making my 20 calls a day and I'm doing this every day and I'm you know and like it was just that was it and nothing else was on your plate not your job not right like you'd removed everything else at that point and so it was like that that focus that uninterrupted disciplined focus and so I really think that's something I actually have I keep a list of daily habits that I keep and I checklist like just a checklist did I do this today because I'm not about I'm not about I'm about being productive not busy so if I can get everything done on my checklist and it's noon I'll take the rest of the day off right? Because like, I got all these things I need to get done today done. Boom, done. I'm good. I'm golden. So I'm a big fan of that. And one of them has been adding the like writing down what to do tomorrow. And I struggle with that one. But I think that's such an important one for maintaining that productivity. That's a great one. So Jordan, where do you think the future of this is going in terms of social media marketing and and all this? I mean, you talked about using ads, talked about some other stuff. We didn't really get into the nuts and bolts of how to market on social media. We can maybe do that in a future one. But where do you think the future of this is going? Online marketing, social media marketing. Where do you think it'll be in five years? Will it be what it is today? Will it change? 
No, I mean, it's definitely going to change a lot. And I think a lot of people worry about the direction of social media marketing and, and, and what, what, like, what, what's going to happen with Facebook ads. And we've, we've now got campaign budget optimization and things are changing all the time. And I think as a marketer and as a business owner in general, we have to learn to be very liquid and we have to learn to change, especially as a social media marketer, because there's always going to be different social media channels. There's always going to be a different advertising platforms. There's always going to be changes and tweaks that we need to adapt to. So I think that, I mean, and, going really far like i really i think that augmented reality will be a massive part of social media marketing in the future i think that being able to just like we see on snapchat filters right now when we can we can we can put funny glasses and change our faces and things like that i think that a massive a new innovation for people to jump on board in social media marketing if you really want to be a pioneer within this industry is, is start looking into augmented reality and start looking into imagine e-commerce stores or clothing stores being able to actually picture yourself in these items and this is a very real reality people can do this already it's just not readily available on social media but facebook are already working on facebook ai they're already working on this and facebook ar they're already working on these different these different methods and i think that when e-commerce stores you can even if you're buying like a sofa and you can click on an advert and it'll put that sofa in your lounge for you when you hold your camera up, things like that. I think that's going to be a massive trend to look out for in the next couple of years for sure. That's, uh, that's powerful. I love that. Being able to see the stuff you're going to buy in place in your space before mm. you buy it. Very, very powerful. Yeah. Jordan, this has been yeah. a fantastic interview. I do want to be respectful of your time. If people want to reach out, find out more, how do they get in touch with you? What are some of the best ways to get involved? Yeah, so cool. So I'm pretty much uh, all over social media, being being based in the industry. <laughs> so you can check out my YouTube channel for sure if you if you want to find out more about learning how to do social media marketing. Just type in the name Jordan Platten, um, you'll be able to find it on there. Or you head over to jordanplatten.co.uk. I've got a ton of links onto there. Or follow me on Instagram. Again, I've not kept it nice and simple. So literally, it's just Jordan Platten on every single social media platform. You can find me on pretty much any of them. And if you want to reach out and say hi directly, send me a DM on instagram it's usually where i'm the most responsive so uh, yeah i'm always happy to help people i want to help as many people as i possibly can who want to get involved into this industry and be successful so don't be afraid to reach out and say hi that's awesome so that's jordan j-o-r-d-a-n not e-n j-o-r-d-a-n yeah, yeah jordan platten if you want to go to his website it's jordan platten p-l-a-t-t-e-n dot c-o dot u-k jordan thank you so much it's been an honor and a pleasure i'd love to have you back sometime on the show thank you so much for coming to share with my audience i know i got your own followers you could be taken care of so thank you for coming and helping us do what we do a little bit better amazing thank you so much for having me here it's been a pleasure you've reached the end of our interview Now first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact.
You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.